Church, it was kind of neat the other morning. I went to the mayor's prayer breakfast, and uh, after the speaker did a great job uh, telling us kind of how to live a Christian life in the workplace, I got up and turned around, and when I looked, Ken Helzer, who is the father of the man that wrote the song we just sang, was standing there, and I said to Ken, I said, I don't know if you remember me, you came to my uh, group at South Ashboro Middle School probably 10 to 12 years ago and talked to my students, and he said, man, that's been a long time, but I do remember that. And I said, I, I appreciate so much your family, I appreciate so much your son and the, the songs that he writes, and they're just a real blessing to us. And look, that's a Randolph County story. Sometimes I think in Ashburn and Randolph County, we think, you know, we're not like the big cities, we're not like the big metropolitan areas. Kind of like Nazareth in the Bible, that not a lot of great things can come from here. But God wants to do great things with us. He wants to do great things with my life and your life and this church and the church down the street and the church across town. God wants to do something very special. I really believe that is so. And a lot of us are praying for revival, and we would ask that you would join us in praying that revival in this nation would start right here. God can do that, and I believe that God wants to do that if we'll get ourselves out of the way and if we'll focus on Him. We have one this morning who has a family friend who is at the point of death with cancer, and she's going to come, and we're going to pray over her on behalf of this family. And I would invite anybody who wants to to join us in that. Maybe you have a friend who uh, is going through something. Maybe you have a family member who is going through something right now. Maybe you yourself are going through something. And uh, you're welcome to come and join us in this prayer this morning as we pray over this one who is at the point of death. And that's what the doctors say. We know God may have different plans. Um, But we want to pray for this family. Lots of things going on with a lot of people right now. I feel like Satan attacks the family. He is attacking the family in a strong way, but I believe that God is greater. And so uh, we're going to go to prayer on behalf of couples, families, all that this morning. Father, we come humbly before you today. God, it's only through the blood of Jesus that we really have a right to approach you. But through his blood, we can come boldly before the throne. And God, we just thank you that we're able to enter into the throne room. We're able to seek you. We're able to seek your face and your will. And God, we thank you that we can come and yes, you are God. You're the sovereign Lord over all creation. But at the same time, you're our father. We think of the word that was used in the New Testament, Abba. It's a word of a child to their daddy. And God, we can come with that sort of intimacy before you. I know that sometimes makes some of us uncomfortable. But that's how much you love us and that's how close that you want to be to us. And God, you care about the things that are on our hearts. You care about the things that uh, are besetting us, holding us back. God, you care about all of that. And so this morning I just come and there's one who's representing an entire family. Young man who's at the point of death because of cancer. Possibly going to leave wife and kids behind. And God, unfortunately, that's an all too common story in this world. This broken world, broken by sin, broken by sickness and death. But God, we thank you that there is a new kingdom dawning. And God, we thank you that it's dawned in our hearts and we pray that it would continue to spread and so this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit God we pray that you would work your will in this situation show yourself powerful God even in the midst of the storm I pray that you would get glory that your name would be glorified Father we know it's not just this family that's going through things God there's a lot out there the enemy has a plan and a trap for each and every one of us And God, we rebuke that plan that he has. And instead, we want to walk in the light of the truth of your word, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we pray right now that uh, whatever plan the enemy has for each one of us, it will not come to fruition. But, God, we will be free to walk with you. We will be set free. God, I pray for our service this morning. 
I pray that you would speak to us as we talk about the subject of prayer, God. It's a, a subject that I know is near and dear to your heart. My God, I just pray that I would be able to teach it in a way that it would help people to go further. And they truly become prayer warriors to be sold out in prayer for you. God, I pray tonight as several churches come together and we host the uh, evangelist Nikita Koloff, God, I pray that you would use him, use his experience, use his life, use the wisdom that you've placed in him to reach new people for Jesus. And then those of us who know you, God, that, that what happens would fall out to the furtherance of your kingdom tonight. Thank you for the vision of churches coming together. We're not in competition. We're not working against each other, but we're working together because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I pray you draw us back here tonight, draw the community here. Lord, if one person gets saved, it'll be worth it all. And so we ask that that might happen tonight. We thank you for our worship team. We thank you for our hospitality team, our security team, our children's workers, God. We just pray that you would bless all of them as they volunteer and as they serve here. Be with our staff, Lord. We know that there's uh, been a lot of things that have gone on lately at this church as far as special events. And, Lord, some of us are a little tired, honestly, at this point. And so we need your Holy Spirit wind to come under us and lift us up. And, Lord, we pray that even in the midst of maybe not having fullness in our strength, that your strength would come forward and be made perfect in our weakness. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are God over this place. Thank you for meeting with us here today. God, you never fail. Every time we gather together, you're here. We might not have our hearts right. We might not be attuned to you to hear what you're saying to us. But God, you're here and you're speaking and you are working with your people. And so we praise you for that and we thank you for that. We praise Jesus above all. Lord, as we've moved past... The celebration of the resurrection, Lord, help us to never stop celebrating the fact that Jesus rose victorious from the grave. Let that be a reality in our lives. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And Rushwood said together, amen. Thank you for praying with us this morning. You, you may be seated. I uh, had a neat, just brief meeting uh, this morning. Um, with a lady who's been attending our church for a while out in the, out in the Welcome Center this morning. Uh, she just said, I need to talk to you for a second. And I don't know if you, you've probably, most of you have probably never been a pastor, but if somebody says, I need to talk to you for a second, you kind of go, uh-oh, what's this going to be about? And she called me over and said, I need to talk to you for a second. She said, I just want to thank you and this church for leading us to the Lord. It means a lot to us. It's really changed our lives, that Jesus is in our lives now. And I just want to thank you that we've come to the Lord through the ministry of this church. What a blessing. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, that, that's what keeps you going. Uh, I, I mentioned in our prayer, a lot of us on the staff here are kind of exhausted in some ways. We've had a lot of events. We, had, we try to be very careful in planning events at this church uh, because we know it can burn, burn you out and it can, it can work on some of us as far as energy and everything goes. But we had a couple of events that just kind of fell in our laps, um, not because of our planning, but just because of opportunity. So we've had a lot going on. So if you will pray for those of us who work here every day, I think some of us are a little bit weary of just doing so much. And we're going to get back to kind of where what we had planned, of uh, being very, hopefully, wise about the way we plan things. But just, just pray for us. Um, but it's good because all of that's worth it when you hear somebody say, I've come to Jesus Christ. Our family has come to Jesus Christ because of the ministry of this church. It's a real blessing. Well, the year was 1853, and the missionary's name was Hudson Taylor, one of the first missionaries to take the gospel into, uh, around the world. It was Before his time, it was not a thing of overseas missions. It was not in vogue. There were very few groups that did it. The Moravians had started it, but not a lot of it had called on. And so Hudson Taylor was one of the first missionaries to go into a foreign land and try to take the good news about Jesus to foreign people. And so he had set sail in 1853 for the land of China, which was largely unevangelized, did not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
On his way on this journey, which took him several months at that time by sea, on a certain part of their journey going to China, the wind totally died out. And being aboard a ship that was wind-powered, that was a problem. And so as they, were, as they were caught on the sea, no wind, no direction, basically rudderless, no power, they noticed that they were drifting uh, as they were, had no wind power closer and closer to the shore. That wouldn't have been a problem except off of the shore there were reefs that were, reefs that were in, the, uh, in the water which the ship was bound to wreck on those reefs. And after the ship was going to wreck, then they had the problem that in the water, they might have been able to swim for it, but in the water, there were sharks around those reefs. If they survived the sharks, when they looked on the land, they noticed that there were people building fires on the shore. And these were not friendly people. In fact, these were cannibalistic tribes. So if they survived the wreck, and if they survived the sharks, and if they made it all the way to shore, then they were going to be eaten. So they had a real problem. They were sure to wreck. It seemed like it was hopeless. But Hudson Taylor, being a man in his early 20s, very young missionary, not a lot of experience, the captain said, there's nothing left we can do. We just have to wait. Hudson Taylor said, there is something we can do. We can pray. He said, there are four believers in Jesus Christ aboard this ship, and we're each going to go to a different room, and we're each going to pray that God might provide the wind that we will not wreck, we will not lose our lives. And so that's exactly what they did. Those four men went back to their rooms, and they started praying that God would provide the wind, the breeze that they needed to keep from wrecking, to keep from losing their lives. And as they prayed, God provided as they prayed, a wind started to blow. It caught the sails, and they were able to steer away from this certain catastrophe and make their way on to China, where Hudson Taylor would become one of the greatest missionaries in world history, offering the gospel up to the Chinese people. Hudson Taylor said he never forgot that story, that it was a perilous time, but he never forgot the power of prayer. And when Hudson Taylor arrived to China, he made a vow before God. He said, I will never ask anybody to provide anything for me. I will just pray, and God, I will just trust you to provide. And the entire time, he ended up spending over 40 years in China ministering to the Chinese people. He never once asked anyone for anything except for God Almighty and trusted that he would provide it through prayer. Prayer is so important, church. Prayer is so important. It is the mark of a Christian that we pray. In fact, when Saul became Paul, that was the example. That was the, the reason given to the early church that they could believe that Saul had become a Christian and had been converted into Paul was, Behold, he prays. He started to pray. He's become a man of prayer. That was the mark. That was the evidence that he was a Christian. Unfortunately, in our day and time, I think one of the things that the church is lacking is prayer. You've heard me talk about this before, but I had this thought this week. I thought, what if we announced that Sunday morning I'm not going to preach, Sunday morning the worship team is not going to get up here and sing, we're just going to have a service where we don't do anything but come in here and pray. I said, man, we would have had an empty, a fairly empty auditorium this morning. We would have probably had a fairly empty fairly not very well attended service if I had announced that we're going to do nothing but pray. Sometimes with our life groups, we'll have a Wednesday night thing where we say, okay, we're going to do prayer on this Wednesday night. Maybe we're going to go on a prayer journey or we want to get together and pray or whatever. And we can always count that on those nights of life groups, we will have less attendance on, on that Wednesday night because we're saying we're going to pray. Certain people just will not show up because it's a night where we are praying. But if you look around the world, if you look at the church in third world countries, if you look at the church outside of America and outside of Europe, you will find that's the majority of what they do when they get together. They pray, they seek God's face, they come to Him, they ask for Him to move on their behalf because for them it's a matter of life and death. Serving Jesus isn't a comfortable thing, it's not just something tagged onto their life, but it is actually a matter of life and death. They may lose their lives because of being Christians. And so they're constantly going to the Lord Jesus in prayer. How about you this morning? You as an individual, are you a person of prayer? 
would somebody rightfully describe you as a prayer warrior? I mean, it, it shocks me that, that we have Christians who can't pray in a small group. People who've been served, say, they say they've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but if we get in a small group and we'd say, okay, you're going to lead the prayer, we'd have people say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm too intimidated or whatever. We, are you a person of prayer? Are you powerful in prayer? Are you a man or woman of prayer? That's my first question. My second question is, if not, would you like to become one? Would you like to become a person of prayer? I know that we have people who have been prayer warriors in this church for a long time. It's people you could always count on that if something went wrong, if, something, if there was a need, you could call on them and you could be guaranteed that they wouldn't just pray in passing, but they would pray until something happened. They would pray until God moved on behalf of that need. And a lot of those people are getting to the age where they're not able to do that as much as they used to. A lot of those people are getting to the age where eventually the Lord Jesus is going to take them home. If he doesn't return, they're going on to glory. So as the old George Jones song said, who's going to fill their shoes? Who's going to step up? Who's going to become a man or woman of prayer? Is it you? I truly believe here this morning that God may be calling some of you to become a prayer warrior, a, prayer, a powerful man or woman of prayer. So this morning in our how-to series, from God's Word, I want to give you five secrets to praying with power. Five secrets to praying with power. And I know last week we just did five points on how to read the Bible, but I wasn't feeling really creative this week, so we're going back to it again. Five points that will teach you how to pray with power. I can tell you guys are excited. Come on, come with me. God's wanting to say this. I, I, I know there's certain topics I preach on that I'm never going to get a lot of excitement. One of them is giving or tithing. You're not going to get a lot of excitement when you preach on that one. Another one's evangelism, that we need to go out and we need to share our faith. So many times people get so quiet on that. I may have to add prayer to that as well. We'll see. But I'm going to give you this morning five secrets to praying with power. The first one. To pray with power, you must get alone and pray. To pray with power, you must get alone and pray. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6 says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. By the way, it's not wrong to pray publicly. We do it here every week. We have people who pray publicly. There's nothing necessarily wrong with praying publicly. That can be okay. But that when that's your goal, that becomes a problem. When your goal is to be seen and to pray publicly. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Again, Jesus isn't saying that we cannot pray in public. There are plenty of examples, Old Testament and New Testament, of godly people praying in public. But what Jesus is saying is that it is hypocritical to pray in public where men can hear you when you don't pray in private where only God can hear you. Your prayer life in public should be based on your prayer life in private. That's why, as Christians, we ought to be able to pray publicly because we are so used to going to the Father in private, shutting the door, getting alone, praying alone with God, that we can do that. Now, I understand, I'm not talking to baby Christians. If you're just starting out, yeah, there's a process. But look, if you've been serving God for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years, you should be able to pray. You should know how to pray by now. You should be powerful in prayer. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. All right. Jesus' pattern was to get along with the Father. And he did this several times. Before he called his disciples, he got along with the Father and he prayed. After John the Baptist was killed, Jesus got along with the Father and he prayed. Before the crucifixion, I know he invited his disciples to come with him, but they fell asleep. They couldn't watch one hour with him. And so Jesus got along with the Father and he prayed. That was a pattern built into his life time and time again. Jesus, God in the flesh, got alone with the Father and he prayed. Because as a man, he was submitting to the Father's will. Was Jesus God? Yes, he was God in the flesh. Was Jesus fully human? 
Yes, he was fully human as well. And so in his human experience, in his flesh, he got alone and he prayed to the Father and he depended on the Father's will. He sought the Father's will. We see it time and time again in Jesus' life. Why? Why, though, is it necessary to get alone in a quiet place and pray to God? Well, there's a phrase that the Bible uses several times. It talks about seeking his face. Seeking the face of God. And when I was a kid, I would hear preachers preach on that, and they'd talk about, you need to seek his face. You need to seek God's face. But I never really heard anybody explain what exactly that meant, to get alone and seek God's face. Well, I, I, I have been married going on 16 years. And as we go through life with my, my wife and I, I can just tell just by her face, just by a look, just by a glance, just by an eye movement, I can kind of tell what she's thinking at this point. And usually it means I'm in trouble. But a lot of times, just, just a little, little slight thing on her face, I can tell what's going on. I look to her face to know what she's thinking, what she's feeling, what her will is. Of course, when, we ask, when I ask, where do you want to go eat, I never find that out. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I'll say, well, how about so-and-so? No, 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 I don't want that. Well, how about this? No, I don't want that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But anyway... I looked at her face to find out her will, to find out what she's thinking, to what, find out what she's feeling. This is what the Bible's talking about, seeking God's face, to know his mind, to know the mind of God. And we only can do that through prayer. We can all, I, I guess I could say it this way. We can do it through the word and through prayer. But we have to be people of prayer to know what God's thinking, to know his will, to understand what he wants for us. And so we get alone and we get in a quiet place and then we seek God's face. We seek God's face. We seek out what he wants for us and our, his perfect will for our lives. If you're going to be a person who's mighty in prayer, you've got to ha find time to get alone with God. I think a lot of our modern conveniences, a lot of the things that we have, they're supposed to give us more time, actually take our time. They fill our time. The time that we're supposed to have alone with God they feel that instead, and so we're weak and we're powerless because we're not seeking God's face in prayer. We're probably going to talk to you next week about Susanna Wesley, the, the mom of John and Charles Wesley, a mighty woman of prayer. She prayed two hours every day. That was her pattern. Two hours every day she spent praying for her family. She spent seeking God's face. And because of that, two of her sons, I believe, were raised up to touch the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was a woman of prayer. How many of us can say that we spend 20 minutes a day in prayer? Not two hours, just 20 minutes. How many of us can say that we do that? It's not the pattern that used to be. And I believe that's why we're powerless. We've got to find time to get along with God. We've got to find time to pray. Second thing, to pray with power, you must pray together with other believers. You said, Brent, you just said get alone and pray. Now you're telling us to get with other believers and pray. Absolutely. I think both of those have to be built into your life. If you're going to be a powerful person in prayer, you need to pray by yourself to get along with God. But you also need to get together with other believers. In the Old Testament, we find most of the time when God's heart is moved and he acts on behalf of prayers, it's prayers of single people. Moses praying to God or Abraham praying to God. Somebody praying to God, one single person, God moves on their behalf. But in the New Testament, that switches. Most of the prayers that God answers on behalf of his people in the New Testament are people getting together and praying together. Groups two or three are bigger than that. Getting together and praying and seeking God's face as the body of Jesus Christ. A healthy prayer life consists of getting alone with God and also getting together with other believers and praying to God and seeking his face. In the book of Acts, the church has started to spread it's after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's after the day of Pentecost. The church is starting to spread. The fastest growing religious movement in the history of the world was the early church. The early church is spreading like wildfire. And then Peter and John, two of the leaders of the church, get arrested. And they get threatened by the religious leaders. Do not speak. Do not preach this name of Jesus Christ anymore. By the way, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that doesn't come to this country eventually. You can do it in your church, guys. Y'all can worship and you can say whatever you want to in your church building. But when you get out in public, you're not allowed to do that. I can see that happening. 
If certain people were to get in power in this nation, I could see that happening very easily where they say, you can no longer preach the name of this Jesus. It's too controversial. It hurts these people's feelings over here and hurts these people's feelings over here. So you can do it, but you have to do it in the privacy of your own home or in your church building, not out in public. It's already coming to some places. There's street preachers who have spent a good amount of time in jail for preaching the truth about Jesus Christ. It's happening. It's happening here. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in other places. But in the book of Acts, the church is spreading like wildfire. Peter and John get arrested, and they threaten them. Quit talking about Jesus. And they release them, and they say, we're going to let you go, but don't talk anymore about this Jesus. And their answer is, look, should we listen to you or should we listen to God? We're going to listen to God. We're going to keep doing what God has told us to do. And so they come back, and they come together with the rest of the church to pray. They don't write a blog posting about it. They don't put it on social media. They don't start some sort of campaign or anything. No, they go back to the church and they pray. They've told us to be quiet about Jesus, but we can't be quiet about Jesus. So we're going to come together and pray about this thing. And then in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, one of my favorite passages on prayer they pray that God will help them to be bold, that God will help them to bear up under the persecution, that if they're, if they're reviled for the name of Jesus, that they'll celebrate. How many of us would celebrate the fact that we would be persecuted for the name of Jesus? But they're ready to celebrate. They're ready to be happy about the chance to spread the name of Jesus and to take persecution for it. And so they pray about all that, and then Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. When's the last time you were in a prayer meeting and the building shook? Never had that happen in my life. I'd love to be there, though. I'd love to see that. I mean, imagine you're praying for boldness. You're praying for power. You're praying for strength. And when you get done, the whole building shakes. It's like God says, yes, I'm going to bless you guys with power and you're going to keep growing and my will is going to be done and my gospel is going to go forward. And it's like he reaches down and, and there's so much power there, the whole building shakes with that Holy Spirit power. You know why? Because they prayed. They came together and they prayed. They, they were people of prayer. They were praying for boldness. When's the last time you were in a meeting like that? You say, but Brent, that's, that's, that's New Test, early New Testament stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen. God worked miracle. And you know, by the way, there are people out there that believe that. They believe that healings don't happen anymore. They believe that visions don't happen anymore. They believe all that stuff ceased, they believed. I don't believe that at all. I believe the same God who brought that back then is the same God who's working with us now. And I believe he still works in the same way. I'm... They call that cessationism. I'm not a cessationist. I believe God's going to keep on working in that way until Jesus Christ returns and sets up his kingdom. But you say, Brent, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Miracles like that don't happen anymore. Really? Well, I'd like to give you some video evidence. This is from a tiny Anglican. If you don't know what Anglican is, that's Church of England, which is not like, you know, it's not the most... You, you don't consider that the most prayerful or powerful group of Christians that are out there, but church of, small Church of England church uh, up in Alaska. And there's uh, folks that we would call Eskimos, really Inuits, who are meeting and they're praying in this tiny little church building. And the video I'm about to show you is older. It's older, and so I apologize for that. Even the, the mouths and, and, the, and the sound don't sync up perfectly. It's not the greatest video quality. But as they were praying, God showed up in their meeting place in a special way. And the leaders of this little church were the grandsons of the original Inuit who got saved and came to Jesus Christ and started to spread the gospel in that area. It's from a video series called Transformations. And again, I, and I saw this years ago, probably 20 years ago for the first time. Not the greatest quality of video, but I just want you to see that God's power is still at work when we pray. Let's watch this together. It happened in the middle of winter, February 28, 1999. Believers had gathered for a week of revival meetings at the Anglican Church. Hungry for God and troubled by new reports of community drug use, they decided to add a special Sunday afternoon youth service. Among those leading the meeting were Pastor Moses Kayak and his ministerial colleagues Joshua and James Ariak all great-grandsons of the original Lightkeeper, 
Onguatizawak. An invitation was offered for youth who felt they wanted to come closer to God. Worship leader Louis Ariak was praying over the youth that had gathered around the altar. I felt so close to God and he kept giving me this verse that says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Something started to happen that uh, was out of our control. This noise started coming. Yeah, it started softly, like you can barely hear it. A dual cassette deck used to record the service was still running off the soundboard. Right away, I wanted to stop, but it kept getting louder, and, and I started to notice that people were kind of getting a little nervous. It was so loud that everything started to shake. Fire went right through me. It sounded like a jet. Things started to shake. I started to shake. I told myself, there's no jets in Pondinoid. After this extraordinary visitation, it was evident the moment still had power. Every time I thought about it, I, I was greatly humble. Uh, thinking, thinking that uh, the Almighty God can visit us. When Pastor Moses Kayak first heard the low-pitched rumbling, he walked over to the church soundboard to adjust the settings. I tried this, not stop, tried this, no stop. When these efforts failed to correct the situation, he quickly turned down the master control. When this too failed, he shut the system off completely. Still, the sound and the recording continued. It shouldn't have been recorded. It's only by the miracle of God. He was completely humble to the point where he wanted to continually come before God, kneel, and ask for prayer, and ask for the cleansing of the heart to become pure before him. If uh, that doesn't fit your theology, you probably ought to just change your theology. Uh, it's amazing when God shows up. I've never been in that sort of situation, but personally I've had the Holy Spirit show up in those sort of powerful ways. And it, it's just like those guys, you just want to know more and more about God. You just want to get closer and closer to Him. And I just wish that all of us could have that kind of experience I would love to be in something like that where the Spirit shows up in a powerful, powerful way. And there's lots of stories about that. We don't often hear stories about that out of American Christianity. And I think one of the reasons is we think we're good on our own. We don't really have to have the Holy Spirit. We can do this thing on our own. But people who know how to depend on the Holy Spirit, that's when he shows up, where he shows up. And that's where some of those amazing blessings come in. God still works in those ways. And when we pray together with other believers, it's powerful. It's powerful. That's why we started. I saw some of you wearing your pray together one, two, three shirts this morning. And that's so cool that you guys did that. Um, we're wanting you to get together once a week in groups of two or three and pray for about 30 minutes once a week. That's all we're asking you to do. If we would do that, if everybody would find partners to get with and pray in that way, God would send a revival. I'm convinced he would send an amazing revival that we would just, the blessings would be un unbelievable. But we struggle to pray. We struggle to pray. Number three, to pray in power, you must pray in the Spirit. To pray in the power, you must pray in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. 
Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Jude 20, by the way, Jude only has one chapter, so you don't give chapter and verse when you talk about Jude. But Jude verse 20 says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in the most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible tells us what very specifically. We're supposed to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit but it doesn't right there in that context give us a definition of how we do that or necessarily why we do that. Why and how do we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit? But when we look at the rest of Scripture, we can get an idea of what it means to pray in the Spirit and to pray in His power. Praying in the Spirit, this is the definition I want to give you this morning. Praying in the Spirit is when you get enough of yourself out of the way that God prays through you. Amen, preacher. That was good. When you get enough of yourself out of the way that God prays through you, He is. you are the conduit. You are the conduit. He is the current. He comes through you, and He prays through you. You say, Brent, does that happen every time you pray? No. That's my goal every time I pray, to be praying in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. But sometimes he just shows up in a unique and special way. And it's just amazing when he does that, when we're able to pray in the Spirit. I, I remember the night before the 2016 presidential election, I was burdened. The whole election cycle, I was burdened because I wanted deeply. It was my deep desire that America, that the United States might have a very godly man uh, or woman, but godly person leading this nation. And when we got down to the night before the presidential election, I looked at the two candidates and I didn't see that either one of them were godly people necessarily from their past, from their... But you may disagree. I know some people say if it's got an R, it's godly, or if it's a D, it's godly, and, you know, uh, you just, they just go with that. But me, I just could not discern that either of the presidential candidates were the godly people that I had been longing for, that, that my heart had been longing for. And so I was kind of burdened. And uh, we went as a group to the courthouse in Ashboro to pray the night before the election. And I think maybe we had 20 or 30 people show up there to pray. But uh, I started out in a prayer, and I said, I'm going to pray, and then we'll let others of you pray, you know, and just pray for God's will in this election. And when I started to pray, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came on me. And it wasn't that I didn't know what I was saying. I'm not telling you that because God doesn't bypass your mind. He works through your mind. I knew what I was saying, but I also knew that the thoughts weren't completely my thoughts. I knew that the power of the Holy Spirit was showing up. And I prayed, and it was almost, I mean, I was just, I don't know how long I prayed, but I just kept going, and I, I was just praying in power. And when we got done, I said, anybody else want to pray? And they said, no, I think you covered it pretty good. And I remember one of the ladies there said, how did you learn to pray like that? Well, I don't know how to pray like that. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. That was God praying through me. I was so burdened. I, I, my heart was so broken for our nation because I think leadership matters. And I'm not going to give you a political commentary on how things have gone since or anything like that. Um, but I just felt like God showed up. And I knew that God was going to do something that was unexpected at that point. I knew that God was going to work in a new way at that point. But I was able to get enough of Bren out of the way so that the Holy Spirit could pray through me. And that's what we, really, that's how God calls us to pray. He calls us to get our flesh, our desires, the, the things that we want out of the way so the Holy Spirit can come in. It's amazing how good God is. When we pray to Him, He prays through us back to Himself. If we get ourselves out of the way, that's the highest level of prayer that we can achieve is when He's praying through us, the Spirit is talking to us, the Spirit is talking through us, the Spirit is being praised and glorified, and that's why the Bible tells us to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we get up and we pray our own way and we do our own thing and we pray our own thoughts, there can be a little bit of power in that, but if we really want to be powerful in prayer, we need to let the Holy Spirit pray through us. Sometimes you'll even get to the point when you're in prayer, it talks about in the book of Romans, you'll get to the point in prayer where you, you don't even know what words to say. And so the Holy Spirit prays through you with groanings and utterings because you just, you're so burdened, you're so broken, and the Holy Spirit prays through you. That's the ultimate level of prayer that we can achieve. And more of that brings more power to our prayer lives. Number four, 
The fourth way to pray with power is to pray in faith believing. To pray in faith believing. Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 23 says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Some of you know the evangelist Kenny Greenway. If you've, known, if you've ever heard Kenny preach, if you've ever met Kenny, you've never forgotten him. Kenny's just one of those kind of guys. But Kenny uh, and, and he and I went to the same college for biblical studies in undergrad, John Wesley, at that time college, now John Wesley University. But Kenny would travel as he was tra a traveling evangelist, has a great testimony, delivered out of drugs, delivered out of debt, just all sorts of issues, became, got saved, uh, got under the power of God, became an evangelist. And as he traveled... Uh, doing evangelism, he traveled on I-85 a lot. And as he would travel up, up and down I-85, he'd get to a certain place, and there was a large strip club beside the road. And he had to pass this several times. And he said he got tired of looking at it. He got tired of thinking about the things that went on there, how women were demeaned there, how families were broken because of what went on in there. He knew it was a terrible place, and he just got tired of looking at it. So he decided, every time I pass that place... I'm going to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Every time I, pa I pass that place, I'm going to pray against it in Jesus' name. And so every time he'd pass, he'd say, Lord, remove that place in the name of Jesus. Lord, get rid of that place. That's an evil, wicked place, God. Get rid of that place in the name of Jesus. And so he'd pass it going up, and he'd pray that, and he'd pass it going back, and he'd pray that. God, get rid of that evil place in the name of Jesus. And he kept doing that for several years, at least for a couple of years. And then one day he was passing it, and he said, God, remove And it was gone. It is shut down. It is shut down. That was the power of prayer. We say, we say, you know, that Jesus is just using a metaphor here when he says that if you tell, if you say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, that it will happen. We say that's just metaphorical. No, God can move mountains. He can shut down places of ill repute. He can change around things in your life. Things that do not look possible through the power of prayer and through faith can be changed. Things can be removed. Things can be restored. His name can be glorified through the power of our prayer if we pray in faith. Jesus said we have to believe. We have to not doubt. And I understand it's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to doubt. I've been there. But if we pray in faith, things that should not be there can be removed and things that need to be there can be put in place. Even if it's as big or as powerful as a mountain, it can be removed. Fifth thing, if you want to be powerful in prayer, you need to pray out of a life of righteousness. You need to pray out of a life of righteousness. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, the second part of that verse says, the effective prayer of a righteous man... That doesn't just mean man. That means man or woman, righteous human being, can accomplish much. God is merciful and he's loving and he's kind and he will oftentimes hear our cry even when we've messed up. My kids, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times a week we got four kids, especially with the little ones. I can't tell you how many times a week I hear something around the house crash on the floor. And I'm like, okay, what happened? Everybody okay? Anybody cut anything? No, no, everything's okay. But they've spilled something. They've broken something. Something is messed up. And as soon as they cry out to me, or usually their mom, we're up and we're helping them getting everything fixed. And, you know, yeah, they've messed up and, yeah, they've made a mistake. But when we hear them cry out, we go to them. We love on them. Sometimes we offer them correction about, hey, if you wouldn't have been bouncing the basketball in the house, that probably wouldn't have happened. What do you think? Go outside. We offer them correction, but we love them and we're there especially when we hear those cries of distress. But at the same time, we don't want to always be crying out of distress because we've messed up. We want to live a righteous life before God because James chapter 5, and by the way, James was the half-brother of Jesus, says the effective prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. Our lives need to reflect who we are. Our lives need to reflect the fact that we are Christians and we're living for Jesus Christ. There is a reason that your greatest prayer warriors are also your most sanctified believers. Your greatest prayer warriors are the ones who have sold the most of their life out to Jesus Christ. 
James also tells us if we draw near to Jesus, he'll draw near to us. If we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. If we draw near to him with our life, then he will draw near to us with his blessings. And he can, he can afford to bless us. If we're doing things wrong, if we're in sin, if we're going against his commandments and what he's taught us, if he blesses us, then we think, okay, well, God must not mind what I'm doing. God must approve what I'm doing. This must be a good thing. And, and so God knows he can't bless us in that situation because if he blesses us in that situation, we get confident in that situation. So a lot of times God will have to say, I'd like to bless you, but you're doing things the wrong way. I have to withhold this blessing for right now because the blessing would ruin you. The blessing would break you. But when we're, when we're sold out for him, when we're serving him, when we're following him, he can afford to bless us. He can say, you know what, you are serving me in such a way, I want to bless what you're doing. I want to show you that my stamp of approval is on the way you're acting and the way you're living, the way you're ministering. I'm going to put my stamp of approval on you and I'm going to bless you. Now, is it always 100% one-to-one? No. But overall, the righteous person is blessed when they pray. When we pray out of a righteous life, that's when God blesses us. Sanctification, I mentioned that word sanctification. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with that word, it simply means this. Being set apart for use by God. Being set apart for use by God. What is sanctification? It's everything God does in us after we come to Jesus Christ to make us more and more like Jesus. This concept of a sinning religion. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, yeah, and on one level that's true. On one level, that's true, but can we get past that and instead of identifying ourselves as just an old sinner saved by grace, can we come to the point where we say, yeah, I was lost in sin, but now I'm found. I'm following Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm identified with him and his righteousness and his holiness. I will preach for another hour if I go down that road, and I probably better not go down that road with you today because really I'm talking about prayer, but I just hate this idea of sanctified sin, of just saying, well, I came and I said a prayer, and so now everything is good. Everything is good, and I can live however I want to. That's not what the Bible teaches, and that's why we're so powerless. The power comes when we're living a righteous life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that you can do it on your own, but when you surrender to him and you submit to him, you can be set apart for his use, and he can do amazing, amazing things with you. Just like the video we watched. Little tiny church up in Alaska. Nothing special about it, just a small nondescript building. But God said, you know what? You are seeking me, you're wanting more of me, and I'm just going to pour my blessing out on you because you're doing things the right way. If we really want to have a powerful prayer life, we need to live a life of radical holiness before God, set apart for Him. Last thing this morning, not an extra point, but just kind of to wrap it up. In order to pray with power, we have to pray. That goes, seems like it would go without saying, but in order to pray with power, we have to be people of prayer. We have to pray consistently. And so, guys, there's no way I could come up to you and talk to you about prayer and the power of prayer and how we need to be people of prayer this morning and just walk out the door and say, I hope you put that into practice. Because this morning, I want us to pray. Jesus said, my father said his house would be a house of prayer. When we come together in this house, we need to be a people of prayer. By the way, I, I hope that you pray before you come to church. I hope that you start getting in an attitude of repentance. I hope you start getting in an attitude of seeking the Spirit before you get here on Sunday mornings. You don't wait for the worship team to gear you up, uh, you know, in prayer and in seeking Him. You don't wait until you get here. To, to have the right attitude, but you've been praying and you've been seeking and you've been preparing your hearts before you get here all week long. So you pray before church, you pray after church, you pray before Wednesday night, you pray after Wednesday night. We need to be a people who are constantly in prayer if we expect to have any power. And so here's how we're going to end the service up today. And I know this is going to make some of you uncomfortable. It'll be okay. The Lord will be with you. He'll be working through this, I promise. But I want us to break up in groups of Four or five people. Four or five people. Those sitting right around you, you can step out into the aisle. You can huddle up right there in the pews, however that needs to look. Yeah, you can go ahead and look around right now and say, okay, who am I going to be praying with? But I want us to group, uh, get in groups of four or five people, and I want at least I want one person to lead us out in prayer. We're just going to have a short time of prayer here before this service concludes. And here's the prayer topic I want you to pray about. God, make us a people of prayer. 
God, make us a people of prayer. Not people who put prayer at the last thing. Not people who, you know, that's our last resort is to pray at the end when everything else has been exhausted. But no, we're consistently, we're constantly a people who pray in faith. A people who pray in the Holy Spirit. People who pray alone in prayer. Who, people who pray together in prayer. Pray that God would make us that kind of people. Because I'll be honest with you, church, as things are going in this culture, the direction this culture is going, you're not going to make it as a Christian if you're not a person of prayer. You're going to have to be a person who seeks God and has a relationship with God, who seeks his face. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Get in groups of four or five, and if it's a little bigger, a little smaller than that, that's fine. Some of you looking like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. It's going to be good for you. Let's pray together. Let's huddle up. Our worship team is going to play some music in the background. But let's pray that God would make us a people of prayer. A people of prayer. As our worship team comes, they're going to lead us in a song that um, has become pretty popular lately about how we fight our battles. We've had a couple of songs like that this morning reminding us that we don't fight our battles in our human strength, but we fight our battles in the power of prayer and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we will never be what God has called us to be until we understand that. So I just ask that you sing this this morning and let it seep into your hearts. Let God speak to us about how we fight our battles. And we might be surrounded by a lot of opposition, but we're even more surrounded by the Holy Spirit. Let's worship together this morning.
There's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. And I believe you've overcome and I will lift my song of praise for all you've done. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. In the valley, I know that you're with me. And surely. Your goodness and your mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. And I believe you've overcome and I will live my song. But I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. My victories in Jesus. Victories in Jesus' name. My victories in Jesus' name. My victories in Jesus' name. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I sing this. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It 
Father, we come this morning humbly, knowing unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain, knowing that we need you so much. And we declare our dependence on you this morning, God, and we ask that you would establish us as people of prayer and establish this house as a house of prayer, God. Not about me or the worship team or our hospitality team or God, nothing. We don't want the name of Rushwood glorified. We want the name of Jesus lifted up, God, and we want to be a people who truly seek your face. God, we love you. We praise you this morning. Thank you for meeting with us. We pray that you would meet every need according to your riches in glory and that, God, we would never cease to praise you for what you've done. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Rushwood said together, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great day.